Cindy Cantrell, and thanks for joining Compassionate Journeys, conversations about home care and hospice. So quarantine 15 has become a popular term for coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic weighing an extra 15 pounds. But in fact, a new survey by the American Psychological Association has revealed that 42% of American adults say they've gained too much weight, an average of, excuse me, an average of 29 pounds. So while quarantine 15 is a cute name, Home Health Foundation registered dietitian Erin Teff joins us today to explain why healthy eating is a serious matter for all of us, but especially those with chronic illnesses. Welcome, Erin. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So please start off by taking us through the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question because there is so much information about nutrition specifically in the world coming to at us from all different angles and all different sources. Um, but registered dietitians are uh, technically the professional for uh, nutrition advice. Um, and that's because we are we have to complete a four year Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics from a college that's been approved with that program. Then um, not all colleges are. And then after you get um, your degree, you have to complete a one-year internship, uh, usually at a large healthcare facility. For instance, I did mine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, and that internship has three components, a clinical nutrition component, a community nutrition component, and a food service component. Uh, and then once you complete your one-year internship, then you can sit for the exam to become registered as a dietitian. And then once you're registered, you, give, you have to get your license in the state that you want to practice. And then you have to maintain continuing education credits every single year to keep your license and stay up to date. Um, so it's very regulated. There's a lot of oversight, um, whereas there really is no definition for a nutritionist. Okay. Um, there, you know, it could be someone who took a nutrition class in college. It could be someone who took an online class in health and wellness with a focus in nutrition or, um, you know, um, natural medicine or something. Or it could be someone who, you know, is interested in nutrition and has read a lot of books and fancies themselves a nutritionist. There's just no oversight or regulation. Uh, and therefore, anytime you are seeing um, a nutrition professional in the healthcare setting, like in a hospital or a doctor's office, it's always going to be a registered dietitian. Um, and it's not to say that there are no good nutritionists out there, but I would just encourage people to, you know, find out their background and, um, you know, make sure that they're not just promoting a specific like product or supplement or something. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah. My that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> my understanding is it's relatively rare for a home health care and hospice agency to have a registered dietitian on staff. Um, what's your role? Yeah, it is really rare. I actually had never even, um, I've never met another home care dietitian and I didn't even know that it was an option for dietitians until I entered the field, um, honestly. Um, so it is really special that Home Health Foundation offers nutrition services. And I really do think it's important and it's effective. Uh, my specific role is to assess patients' nutrition status and then help educate them on any dietary changes they may need to make to improve their health. Um, and, you know, I think that the reason it's so impactful is because I'm really, I'm seeing patients in their real life, you know, I'm not, they're not in a hospital bed and I'm asking them what they're eating, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm opening their fridge in their pantry and seeing what they buy for groceries. Um, so it's really, you know, there's, there's no hiding, <laughs> hiding anything <laughs> when you're in the home. 
Um, and then, you know, it's also great because it's just so much less of a burden for these patients. You know, it's one less appointment that they have to go to outpatient, mm-hmm. um, which it really can be a lot of work for a lot of our patients to, to get out of the house and go to those appointments. And then even more important, I really, I love that I get to work with patients, not just the patients, but their families. So their husbands mm-hmm. are there, their wives, their children, their um, home health aides, anyone who may be doing the grocery shopping, like everybody really needs to be involved if you're going to make impactful changes to the yeah. diet. Um, so you can't, you know, you can't bring your home health aid to an outpatient appointment. Uh, so it's really unique in that way. And that's what, why I really love it. What kinds of patients do you usually see? Like what kinds of patients' homes are you called to? It's it's really a wide variety. I do, I definitely see a lot of patients with heart disease. So like mm-hmm. congestive heart failure, uh, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, um, COPD patients are mm-hmm. very common. Um, patients, um, you know, cancer patients, patients with uh, gastrointestinal disease. You know, this morning I was just working with someone with ALS who is losing their swallowing function and needs a modified consistency. People may be on tube feedings. Um, so it's, it really runs the gamut, which is another reason it's so great. Um, cause it, it's never boring. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and when you come into people's homes, are they totally welcoming to have you open up their cabinets and look in their refrigerators? Because I bet <laughs> a lot of people know that they could be doing a better job eating than they perhaps really are. And yeah. It's... I'll tell you, it's not the first thing I do when I walk in their house. Like, at first, <laughs> definitely, I try to establish a little rapport. Um, and I don't do it with everyone, but most people honestly are so grateful to have yeah. the help. Um, yeah. and they just like the hands on, you know, I take out, uh, something from their cupboard and I sit down at the counter with them and we go over exactly how to read the nutrition facts label. And they're just like, you know, their mind is blown. They're like, Oh my gosh, I wish someone had done this with me five years ago. Yeah. Cause it's just so much different than handing a piece of paper to someone that says, this is how you read a nutrition facts label. You know, the honest truth is most people are going to throw that piece of paper in the trash before Mm -hmm. they discharge and it's never going to see the light of day again. So um, overall, people are very receptive. And if they're not, then that's their choice. And I respect it. Yeah. Are they ever very surprised by some of the findings? Because I feel like labels do a great job and, and that's advertisers job is to make things perhaps sound healthier or um, maybe people just are are not understanding that something has four serving sizes and how large a serving size is when a little pint of, of ice cream is, is so, you know, they feel like, oh, I, I could have that much. Um, yeah. Are they ever oh, surprised totally. by what you tell them? Yes. There are a lot of misconceptions out there um, and there's a lot of surprises people learn. Um, one of the most common ones, you know, I do a lot of low sodium diet educations because it's applicable to so many diseases, you know, congestive heart failure, COPD. Yeah. I mean, really every American eats too much salt usually. Yeah. So anyone can benefit from um, lowering their salt. So I do it a lot. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, I, I walk in the door and I, you know, explain why I'm there and we're going to talk about reducing their sodium intake. And they just like throw their hands up and they're like, I don't. I don't eat salt. <laughs> um, and because they consider eating salt as taking a salt shaker and like putting it on their food. And so, yeah, they're blown away when I'm like, well, salt is also sodium. And we can look here, this can of soup, you know, has 600 milligrams per serving and there's two and a half servings in this container. And yeah, yeah people are very surprised. Um, it's uh, yeah, 
there's a lot of misconceptions out there that I love to to uh, uncover. <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of relying on frozen entrees, and those sometimes make me sad in the sodium department. <laughs> yes, look for yeah. 600 milligrams or less. That's the cutoff I give people. Yeah. Um, what are some other maybe common misconceptions you correct or some information you commonly provide? Yeah, another common one I hear people say is, especially lately with the, you know, the keto trend mm. and um, low carb diets, a lot of people just say, I don't eat carbs, mm. um, which, you know, carbohydrates are one of the three main macronutrients and our body can't survive without them. In fact, it's the main fuel for our brain. So when someone tells me I don't eat carbs, that tells me that they don't understand what a carbohydrate really is. Um, what they're probably implying is that they cut out, you know, bread and rice and pasta, um, and but they're still eating starchy vegetables and fruits and, you know, cheese that has carbohydrates. So there's um, a lot of, you know, these trendy diets, people like learn a little bit of it, but they don't learn the full thing. And then um, I have to come in and kind of correct and say, okay, well, carbs are okay. We just have to learn, you know, what an appropriate portion is and um, kind of take it from there. Mm. So in terms of meeting patients at their level, um, how do you, how, how do you work that out? Um, because you probably have to do a lot of sensing and then also working with with caretakers, with family members. Also, I'm sure that it's a very vulnerable time. You know, if a patient has just had a diagnosis or maybe it's a chronic illness, um, I feel like that might be tricky. Yeah, it's definitely a balance trying to not overwhelm people. Mm. I think it's crucial to not give too much information all at once. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, I'm always trying to simplify things and meet people at their level and find out, you know, it's my job to assess what their current knowledge is. Mm -hmm. I think as healthcare professionals, whether you're a nurse or a physical therapist, you know, we learn a lot about all kinds of things, but in nutrition, and there's a lot of, you know, you may not realize how much knowledge you have as a nurse. Um, and we throw out tips to people that, you know, don't make sense because yeah. they don't have the same knowledge we do. So like the carbs, for example, you know, diabetics, you know, someone may just be like, oh, just eat less carbs because your blood sugars have been high. But really, you need to ask that patient, do you know what foods cause your blood sugars to go up? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, see if they can identify a few foods that are carbohydrates. And then if they can't, you know, then you need to teach them about what foods contain carbohydrates. And then and then you can move on to portion sizes and um, and take it from there. You just you really have to assess their knowledge before you can teach because, you know, everyone starts at a different point. Yeah. I also know that food can be very emotional and foods can be very special and very meaningful. Um, and I, I know that just a few minutes ago, you said that you're very respectful too, if somebody is not on board with what you're saying, but do you ever find a little bit of pushback if people get very defensive? Maybe if they feel like, oh, I've lost so much already with this new illness or this diagnosis and I'm not losing this that brings me so much joy like it does that ever come up or are people oh of, of course all the time oh. um there's it's complicated because you're right food is one of the greatest pleasures in life eating you know so for me it is and I don't want to <laughs> take that away from people um so you know and everyone has the right to make their own choices that's the number yeah. one thing you know I'm, I'm not there to force anyone and you can't force someone to change something that they're you know that's 
pointless. It's um, yeah. so just trying to help them make sure that they at least understand, you know, um, which foods are maybe the most detrimental to their diet, mm-hmm. um, you know, to their blood sugars or their edema. Um, and then helping them prioritize like, okay, which ones are most important to you? And let's figure out how to include um, sweet, you know, a, a treat every night yeah. into your diet, if that's what is important to you. So trying to help them prioritize and value um, the, the things that are, that are going to make them the most happy. Um, yeah. And then sometimes it, you know, it also depends on their, the state of um, their illness and where they're at in their disease progression and, um, prioritizing, you know, comfort versus, mm. um, treatment. And, you know, it's, it's a balancing act for sure, but I, most important, the, the patient's wishes always come first. Yeah. So for all of us, what are your tips maybe for healthy eating and for weight loss? Because those can be two separate issues. They are. They are definitely separate. I wish that they weren't always tied together mm-hmm. as if like weight loss is the end all of being healthy. Right. You know, healthy and thin are not synonyms. Um, but for healthy eating in general, I like to have people focus less on all of the bad things that they shouldn't be having and instead focus on things, healthy things that they can be that they can add to their diet. So instead of always thinking in like a restrictive way, um, you know, first say, okay, well, I know that vegetables are healthy. I think, you know, nine out of 10 people understand, know that a vegetable is a healthy food. So how can I try to get two vegetables a day and start there? Um, instead of, you know, being like, oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. Um, I also think it's important for, you know, for your own health to understand your family history and maybe, you know, look and say, okay, I have a history of diabetes or hypertension and, and target your, you know, if you have a history of diabetes, then it probably is important to understand carbs and portion control. Um, and, you know, then maybe seek out guidance about that specific topic. Um, and then for weight loss, (laughs) it's certainly not my expertise. I'm not a, a, a weight loss dietitian. However, um, you know, I think particularly with the pandemic, um, you know, in the quarantine 15 that you mentioned, yeah. um, the studies so far are showing that that's mostly related to increased snacking mm. uh, because we've all been at home so much more and we have uh, food accessible to us all day long. Uh, so I think being mindful about when you're eating, uh, ask yourself, am I hungry or maybe am I bored or am I anxious or am I procrastinating some task I don't want to do? Um, and if you really are hungry or maybe am I thirsty, do I need to drink some water? Um, and then if you are hungry and you need a snack, then use those, you know, what I mentioned, have a healthy snack, you know, that like cucumber and hummus is a healthy snack. So try that. Um, it's not, it's definitely not all about restricting yourself and, and certainly not starving yourself. So we've already touched on some diets that you mentioned, like keto. I wonder what you think about things like eating gluten-free without having an allergy or trying to stack your diet with superfoods, like certain berries that are high in antioxidants. Yeah, that's another great question. Uh, you know, diet culture is a complicated topic. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I would say that I tend to steer clear of like really trendy things that are like all over social media, Mm. uh, because they come and go, uh, and there's always going to be a new one that's coming out and they, they tend to be supported by a large, 
uh, money-making entity. So that can be a sign that it's, it's not necessarily about your health, but about the bottom line. Um, and then there's also just no one diet that's going to work for every person's physical body or their mental state. You know, everyone is different. And so there's not going to be, you know, Atkins isn't going to work or keto is not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then there's also no one like superfood that's going to cure everything. I mean, if there was, it would be in a pill and they'd be giving it to people. Yeah. There's, you know, <laughs> so if anything sounds too good to be true, it is. Um, but in general, I think that it can be good, you know, if someone wants to, you know, to start eating gluten-free because they heard someone else did it and it was great for them. That's, it's good if it gets them thinking about their health and their diet. If it gets, if it sparks that interest, then that's great. And then I hope they can take that interest and turn it into a sustainable lifestyle change that they'll be able to maintain, um, you know, instead of just like, oh, I did this for two weeks and it was great um, before my vacation at the beach. And then I went back to, you know, all my bad habits before. So I think it's great that it sparks interest, but it's probably, it's definitely not going to be the, uh, the cure of everything. Do your parents, excuse me, do your patients look to you for motivation for, for sticking by things? Because even though they know that it'll help an illness or help a condition, they probably have as much trouble (laughs) staying on track as anybody. Yeah, they do. Um, and you know, that's where I try and really include their family members to help, you know, keep them not accountable, but keep, you know, the more people that are engaged with it, then, then the better, you know, the more people you tell about your goals, the more likely you are to stick to them. Um, so, and I also, I try to give people very like small, measurable, specific things to work on so that it's not some big overwhelming um, task, you know, I'm like, I, I might say, okay, every night at dinner, I want you to have half of your plate be a, a non-starchy vegetable. Yeah. And then just like try just for one week, try to just do this one thing and don't worry about anything else. You know, you're not counting calories. You're not it's just this one thing try to do. Uh, so I think it helps people feel successful if you give them yeah. something small and specific and then they can build on that success. Yeah. And then that in itself is motivation. I think that's a good plan in lots of areas of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True, true. So if someone's curious about the integrity of a new fad diet or wants to verify something they've seen on social media or otherwise online, um, what are some good resources for people to look into? Yeah, that's another great question because like I said, nutrition information Mm -hmm. is everywhere. Um, So I look for things that are specifically like science-based, you know, off of scientific studies and um, the there's myplate.gov um, has been revamped. That's like the USDA guidelines. They've really done a lot of changes to their website um, and made it much more user friendly. And they've got apps and all kinds of um, great tools on there. Um, eatright.org is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics um, website. So that's always going to be very credible. Uh, and then nutrition.gov is another one that is um, that's very simple uh, and easy to search. And you just, again, you know that everything there is not, you know, they're not promoting any specific diet or product, which is always key for me. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, look for a local dietitian. If you, you know, if you want your insurance may very well cover you to go see a dietitian um, as an outpatient 
Uh, and, you know, unless you're with Home Health Foundation, then <laughs> I can come visit you. But dietitians really are a great source because the internet can only take you so far, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And Home Health Foundation prides itself on having a lot of great information available at homehealthfoundation.org. And Erin, thanks so much for joining us today. And we wish Thank all you so of much our, for having me. Yeah. We wish all of our listeners, listeners good health. And we will see you next time. Bye.